Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. So this Shabbat is called Shabbat Parah. It has a special name. Does anyone know what a Parah is? Anyone? Hmm? Cow, exactly. It's Cow Shabbat. Literally, that's the name. It's not Bacon Cheeseburger Shabbat, so don't get too excited. But it's Cow Shabbat, or, or more eloquently translated, it's the Shabbat of the Red Heifer. Um, which is, I think for most Reformed Jews, something that's maybe, maybe in the far reaches of our Jewish brain somewhere, but it's a pretty kind of archaic thing. Um, but the red heifer was the, uh, the specific animal that needed to be sacrificed in the ancient temple for the highest level of purity to happen. Um, there, there were all different kinds of levels of impurity and purity in the minds of our biblical ancestors. But the, the most impure, the, which is contact with a dead body and a few other things, could only be undone by the ashes of a red heifer. And the Shabbat is named after that red heifer. So I want to do a little study with you on this. You, you should have gotten a purple sheet. Um, and we're not going to refer to it quite yet, but I want you to know that that it's there and we're gonna talk about it together in just a moment. Um, But I have just a few more things to teach you first. So um, the rabbis named named this Shabbat Parah and it comes right after, what holiday did we just have? Purim, good. And it in a lot of ways is a signal to us that Purim is behind us and now we start the march towards Passover. Good, you're with me, I like it. So that all sounds good, but what in the world does a cow, a red heifer, have to do with getting ready for Passover? Isn't Passover about matzah and Egypt and all of that, right? Well, it turns out that before the ancient priests could make the annual offering, teach the rabbis, of the Paschal lamb, which was the special Passover sacrifice, they had to begin a process of self-purification before they could go and off this very special once-a-year sacrifice, they had to get themselves ready a couple weeks early. They started preparing for this big thing to happen spiritually. So let's take a look at the purple sheet, Numbers 19, just really quickly. This is the ritual law that Adonai has commanded. Instruct the Israelite people to bring you a red cow without blemish, in which there is no defect and on which no yoke has been laid. One shall cleanse oneself with it on the third day and on the seventh day, and then become clean. Great, right? Easy enough. That's how you get ready for Passover. But what's interesting is that the rabbis of the Mishnah actually called this Shabbat, Shabbat Parah, after the temple was over, right? The rabbis are post-temple. They invented a Judaism that's our Judaism that was all after everything that happened in the temple. So it begs a question, why would the rabbis name a Shabbat after this really archaic ritual when that ritual was something that they no longer had in their lives and they weren't going to do. There's a couple possibilities. One is that they were just hoping the temple would be built again soon. That's one answer in Judaism. But that doesn't make for really good teaching. So another possibility is that they were trying to pass along some wisdom to us by inserting this Shabbat, even though we're not about to light up a barbecue up here tonight. So um, another thing to know is that in addition to naming this Shabbat after the ritual, the rabbis also assigned to us a beautiful passage 
from the book of Ezekiel, which will be the Haftarah for tomorrow morning that also goes with this Shabbat. Let's take a look at that. I will take you from among the nations and gather you from all the countries, and I will bring you back to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit into you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit into you. Then you shall dwell in the land which I gave to your ancestors, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. So this beautiful passage imagines a future of reunification of God and the Jewish people in our ancient homeland. In other words, Ezekiel's prophecy dares to dream of a future of freedom and possibility. Remember, Ezekiel lived through the destruction of the first temple. He was a prophet during that era. So he was a person that himself witnessed incredible tragedy and suffering in his own life. Perhaps suffering that reminded him of Egypt, of this older memory of our people. And so a question I hope is emerging for you right now from these texts that may seem like they have nothing to do with each other, uh, which is, what is the connection between purifying yourself, like the text of the red heifer teaches us, or what today we might call healing or personal growth, and the possibility that the Haftarah lies out, a possibility of a future redemption. What is the connection between healing and freedom? And that's what I want to explore for a little bit. So, of course, we're not purifying ourselves properly so that we can make a sacrifice, but remember, neither were the ancient rabbis. They didn't have a red heifer. They didn't have a temple. Yes, we clean out the chumets, the bread from our homes, and we do other things to get ready for the festival. But I think there's another message here that's not just about getting ready for the dietary restrictions, although I do think those are important, and I want you to do them. I mean that. The message is that before we can really get free from whatever traps us in our own lives, and we are all, after all, trapped in some way, right? In some way, all of us, it's a human experience. We have to honestly and sincerely be willing to go through a process of our own healing. And I think that what this teaches us at the end of the day is that it's not Pharaoh or Egypt or your mother or your ex-husband or that best friend whose comments sting just a little bit too much that keeps you from arriving to that place of milk and honey. I don't mean to say our problems are all our own, or that they are not, there are not real Egypts in the world, real places of suffering, or real pharaohs, people who are deeply hurtful to us. Those places and those people are real. But the priest who needed to prepare himself for the paschal sacrifice was not in Egypt. He was actually completely free. So the rabbis remind us that after we get out of a bad place, after we get away from a toxic person, we still have to work on ourselves. There's still something ahead of us. You can get out of Egypt, out of that narrow place in your life, but there is no Passover, there is no real redemption without also doing the personal work to heal and grow so you can actually be free. Getting out of a bad place is the baseline. 
it's critical and sometimes impossibly hard to do. But when the rabbis teach us a story about a priest going through a ritual to celebrate Passover, they remind us that as humans, we are capable of spiritual heights. There's so much more than just getting out of being stuck. There is a future of growth and healing. That, Judaism teaches, is the connection between healing and freedom. And as we move into Passover, we are invited to prepare ourselves for this journey. What healing, what growth, what self-loving do you need to do so that you can link yourself to the story of our people? The central story that is also a promise. The promise not only that you don't have to stay stuck, you don't have to stay in Egypt, but that you might find a new heart, a new spirit, that those hard places in your life might become places of vitality.